Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message called New Year, New You, where we are digging into the things we can say hello to and goodbye to in 2023. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, Happy New Year, everybody. Anybody stay up to see the New Year in last night? Any hardcore people? There, uh, there you go. All right. You guys are tougher than me. I was in bed long before New Year's. You know, New Year's is that time of year when people make resolutions. Uh, some people want a fresh start from the previous year. Some people want a do-over from what they didn't do so well the year before. And some people just want to do some things to improve their lives. A few years ago, the website Statistic Brain said that the top 10 New Year's resolutions were these things. Lose weight, get organized, spend less, save more, enjoy life to the fullest, stay fit and healthy, learn something new and exciting, quit smoking, help somebody else achieve their dreams, fall in love, Spend more time with family. Maybe you've decided to take on one of those New Year's resolutions. You you know, those are all good resolutions, dealing with self-improvement, enjoying life, and focusing on relationships. But but I think there's something missing. Uh, Now, it's possible it's implied, but I don't think that this is a, a part of life that should be left to implications. I hope you see what's missing, too. There's, there's no resolutions regarding a relationship with God and, and faith. Now, I'll be the first to say that our spiritual life and our faith shouldn't be driven by the annual custom of New Year's resolutions, but I think we could all agree that for followers of Jesus, we continually need to seek to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus. We need to continue to lean into that. Now, Recently, I had the opportunity to listen to a podcast by two Christian leaders, Joe Saxon and Pastor Steph O'Brien, who practice an annual discipline of reviewing their lives and their relationship by God, with God by asking themselves two questions. What should I say goodbye to and what should I say hello to? And that discipline for them has become a a more in-depth annual spiritual practice that that I'm not going to go into today. But if you're interested, you can check out their website at leadstoriesmedia.com. Now, as a Christian, I think there's wisdom for us to consider on a regular basis what things we need to say goodbye to in our lives and what things we need to say hello to. And this should be driven by the knowledge that The reality is we're all sinners and our downward gravitational pull is to lean away from God instead of leaning into God. And so therefore, we need to assess that and recognize that we need to lean into him. So this morning, I thought it would be important on this first day in 2023, if we consider as Christ followers, what are some things that we should say goodbye to for this year and some things that we should say hello to? Now, Pastor Craig Rochelle recently suggested five things that Christ followers should let go of in 2023, and I I thought those were so good, I would lean into that today so that we could look at that. And the first thing he said that uh, we should say goodbye to is the fear of the future. 
the fear of the future. Uh, I want to encourage you to, if you are taking notes, uh, you can find our, this uh, outline on our website as well as on the Bible app uh, event website. So if you're taking notes. But, you know, think about this. Fear of the future. Just a quick scan of the headlines can fill us with fear. There are viruses running rampant and shortages of basic medicines. Inflation is making everything more expensive. There's an unprovoked war in Ukraine. And then there are regional conflicts around the world, not to mention terrorist acts, as well as violence that pops up all over our country and even in our communities. The weather is wreaking havoc all around the globe. There's political unrest in our country, in our communities, that, and that doesn't even touch on the personal issues that are unique to each one of us that we wrestle with. So if you're prone to worry, there would be a lot to worry about. And, and if you're not prone to worry, it wouldn't be surprising if you found yourself a little preoccupied about the future. But you know, Jesus spoke very clearly to us about worry and about fear for our futures. In his Sermon on the Mount, he pointed out that God provides food for the birds of the air and he provides clothing for the flowers of the field. And so he commanded his followers with this phrase, so don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Now, I recognize that saying goodbye to worrying about the future is easier said than done. It requires deciding to focus on trusting God rather than worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow. It requires walking by faith instead of by sight. But isn't that what we are called to do as followers of Jesus? And so this could be a discipline that truly we take one day at a time, particularly if we're prone to worry. But we need to be able to say goodbye to fear about the future. We also need to say goodbye to the illusion of control. Now, if you think everybody else is doing things the wrong way and you're the only one doing things the right way, you probably have a control issue, okay? Um, no one likes to feel out of control, but there are times in life when we will feel that way because there are so many things that happen in life and in this world that we have no ability to control. If there's one thing that we've all learned through the pandemic, it's that there are things far beyond our control. But if there's a positive thing that we've learned through the pandemic, it's that thinking that we can control our life is an illusion. Now, for some people, I know that's an overwhelming thought. But for Christ followers, we can have the peace of mind that while we're not in control, God is in control. In the book of Jeremiah, God spoke these words to Israel. And this is what he said. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now, some translations of this verse that say that God's plans are to prosper us. And, and sadly, some Christian leaders have used that 
and translated that to support a, a false teaching that uh, is called the prosperity gospel. And it basically says that God wants to make you healthy and wealthy. And if you don't have enough faith, that's why you're not healthy and wealthy. But that's a perversion of that scripture because this scripture was talking to Israel at a time when they needed encouragement and support that God was with them and that God was in control. And so we have to recognize this testimony that God desires for us to have peace. It teaches us this scripture that God's in control and God plans for our good. God doesn't want us to live in fear. God wants us to know that he desires what is best for us. And the best for us is to know him in this life and to be able to spend eternity with him forever in heaven. Now, understanding all this doesn't mean that we won't have trials and troubles on this earth in our lifetime. We all know that's just part of life. But it does mean that we can trust God because he's in control and, and wants us to know him forever and not to let anything get in the way of that. So we need to say goodbye to thinking that we're in control because it's an illusion and say hello to acknowledging that God is in control. The third thing we need to say goodbye to is the pain of regret. Now, we all have things that we wish we hadn't done or that we wish we hadn't said. And part of that is because as human beings, we're imperfect, we're fallible, we make mistakes. The, the Bible actually says it in much starker terms. It says that we are all sinners. And so the reality is this. We all make mistakes. We all sin. Some of the mistakes that we make, we can shrug off, but other mistakes will be harder for us to let go. It's, it's actually good, I think, to, to feel some guilt when we do some things that are wrong and that are sinful because I believe that's godly guilt. And that means that the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives correcting us and helping us mature and grow. When it comes to our sinful actions, the Bible instructs us, though, with this promise of forgiveness. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You know, Scripture is very clear that, that we can be forgiven for our sins. In fact, Scripture says there's only one sin that, that's unforgivable, and that's the sin of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, which is, means to have the testimony the Holy Spirit gives us about Jesus and reject him. So all of our sins can be forgiven. So this promise that God forgives us is important because being forgiven doesn't mean that we won't forget our sinful actions, but it does mean that we can know that we are forgiven. And knowing that we are forgiven means that we don't have to live with the pain of regret. In fact, the Bible tells us that God wants us to feel sorrow for our sins so that that's, that sorrow leads us to, to repentance, but not so that it, it holds us in a grasp of not being able to let go and receive that forgiveness. You see, God uses our emotions of sorrow 
to help us move to repentance and grow closer to him. But he doesn't want us to get stuck in the pain of regret because he's forgiven us. So it's important that we confess our sins. In fact, that we, we think about that and do that with some regularity because when we don't confess our sins, it, it separates us from God. And we need to clear our relationship with him by removing those unconfessed sins from our lives. So we say goodbye to the pain of regret. Next, we need to say goodbye to the shame from our past. Maybe there's something in your past that you not only regret, but you feel shame about. It's hard to let go of it because shame can be pervasive and overwhelming. But it's important for us to know that we are not who others say we are. In fact, when we're even shaming ourselves, we're not who we say we are. We are who God says that we are. And this is what the Bible says about who God says that we are. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. When you put your faith in Jesus, you become a new person. The sins of your past, the, the sins of your previous life are forgiven, and you're a new person. It doesn't change your history. You'll have to live with that history, but you're forgiven. Just as I said earlier, when you confess your sins moving forward in faith, you're forgiven. And again, those sins are forgiven. It doesn't change your history, but you don't need to live with that shame in that past. Now, Think about this. We are new people in Christ. We're not identified by our sins or the things that we feel shame about. So we can say goodbye to that shame and we can walk in our new identity. And that new identity is you're either a, a daughter of God or a son of God. You have been forgiven and you walk in that newness of life. So one final thing that we need to say goodbye to. It's the burden of unforgiveness. You know, it's natural and normal to not want to forgive somebody when they sin against you. But it's not what God wants for us. God wants us to say goodbye to the burden of unforgiveness. He wants us to recognize that it's important for us to, to forgive others. That's why we see this command in the book of Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. So, so we have a model. In Christ, God has forgiven us, and with that model, we're supposed to forgive one another. Psychologists will tell you that this command is not just something for your spiritual health. This is also something for your emotional health because it requires a great deal of emotional energy to harbor unforgiveness and keep on reliving the offense that someone committed against you. It requires you to be stuck. So it's not just for your spiritual health. It's also for your emotional health. You need to let go of that unforgiveness. Now, I know that can be hard. Years ago, I met a woman whose brother had been murdered. And she struggled over and over. She would tell me constantly she couldn't forgive her brother's murderer. And I understand that. But she was also trapped in that anger and that hurt and that resentment because 
She couldn't process what had happened. And it was my prayer for her then and, and continues that she will be able to forgive. So we need to be able to say goodbye to the burden of unforgiveness so that we can grow and mature spiritually and emotionally in our own. So, so those are some of the things that we, we need to say goodbye to this year, but what do we need to say hello to? And, and you know, as, as we move into this section, it, it's going to feel a little bit like a to-do list, and I don't want it to feel that way, but I wanna, want you to think about it this way. When you want to grow and mature, you have to take steps to lean into that. A long time ago, back in the 1990s, I had a friend uh, who was running his ninth marathon. And uh, um, my friend was short. He was about 5'4", 5'5", something like that. And he weighed 200 pounds. And he had never changed that size through nine marathons. And he began talking to me about how amazing it was. And, and I finally said, you know, if, if he can do it, I can do it. So I said, how did you do it? Well, he gave me a book. I mean, it's, it's a, one of those uh, books that just makes sense. It was How to Run Your First Marathon. And it was based on putting time in every day. And so guess what? The first day, I had to run for 20 minutes. That was it. In fact, for the first week, I think I only ran 20 minutes a day. And then each week, it was a 22-week plan. And each week, you added a little more time. Until two weeks before the, the marathon, I, I had to run for two hours. But by that time, I, I had put in all the baby steps. And so I, I tell you that because when you're leaning into your relationship with God, don't try to do everything all at once. Take baby steps. Give yourself some grace. So here's some things that I believe that we need to say hello to. And it's something that we embrace here as a ministry at Valleybrook. The first thing, and this is a no-brainer, you need to say hello to growing your relationship with God. Now, being a Christ follower means you believe in Jesus and you follow him. And, and I say this uh, quite often, but you know, to become a Christian doesn't mean you say, I believe in Jesus, and it stops there. That belief is actionable. It's going to change your value system, and that's going to change your priorities and the way you live. It's not that you're trying to do good works, but when you let the Holy Spirit come into your life, the Holy Spirit's going to help transfer, transform you more into the likeness of Christ. Yeah, hallelujah. I, I remember uh, I came to Christ in 1982 as a college student. Um, and uh, my behavior before I became a follower of Jesus uh, was gross. Uh, I swore. I stole things. I mean, I just did things that were not part of being a follower of Christ. And I did not make a decision to stop swearing. I didn't make a decision to stop stealing things. But I began to realize that saying I believed in Jesus was incompatible with swearing. And, and slowly that just sort of sloughed off and fell away. It wasn't about doing good works. It wasn't about doing good things. It was about letting the Holy Spirit transform me and change me. 
And he's continuing to do that all these years later. So, being a follower of Jesus also means that we're in a relationship with God. And like any healthy relationship, that means that there's communication. So if we're going to say hello to growing in your relationship with God, that means that you've got to communicate with God. You, you've got to talk to him, and we call that prayer. And you've got to let him speak to you. And he's going to do that predominantly through reading his word. But he's also going to do it through the Holy Spirit. And so, obviously, that means... We need to lean into those things. And I'll just remind you of some scriptures that, that encourage that. In the book of Thessalonians, we read this. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for us to communicate with God. To pray, to talk to him about what's going on in our life. The good things, the bad things, the horrible things, the, the things that we don't understand. It's okay to say, God, I'm having trouble believing you or this in your word. It's okay. God is big enough to hear all that. And of course, what I just said implies that we also need to be taking in a steady diet of God's word. In the book of Romans, we read this, that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Now, to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus means that you need to take in God's word on your own, not just hearing it in a sermon on Sunday morning or whenever you listen to sermons in a podcast. It's actually you taking time to read it and engage with God's word. So you can't grow in a relationship with God unless you're letting him speak to you through his word and unless you're talking to him. It's just like a human relationship, except this is with Almighty God. So say hello to growing in your relationship with God. The next thing I want to tell you to do is to say hello to investing in your spiritual gifts. Now, the Bible is very clear that we've all been given gifts from God. The purpose of these gifts is to use them to glorify God and to build up the body of Christ. These are gifts like leadership, like serving, like uh, teaching, like giving, and there, there's much more. In fact, uh, we regularly teach on spiritual gifts in our class called Growth Track. And in fact, Growth Track is going to begin this Wednesday night. It's at seven o'clock. It's virtual. It's four weeks in a row. It's one hour each. I would encourage you, if you're interested, to learn more about your spiritual gifts or what it means to be a part of Valleybrook. Sign up for that. Go to our website and sign up because we would love to help you invest in those gifts that God has given you to glorify him and to build up the body of Christ. In fact, scripture tells us this, that we need to do this. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this to his protege, Timothy. He said, do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone will see your progress. Paul is saying, listen, lean in. Invest in these gifts that God has given you because it's important for you to grow in your ability to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus and to do your part to honor God and build up the body and grow 
the kingdom of God. We have to recognize as Christians, it's not just me and Jesus. It's not a solo affair. Being a Christian is being part of something bigger. Now, in our individualistic North American culture, we don't think that way a lot, but, but we have responsibilities to all the other followers of Jesus Christ to encourage them, to exhort them, to, to, to build into them. And when we invest in our spiritual gifts, it does just that. So we need to, to lean into those and invest in them. So say hello to them. Third thing, say hello to sharing your faith with others. We're instructed in, in God's word through the apostle Peter with these words. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. If somebody came up to you and said, do you think you're going to go to heaven? Can you answer that? You know, you can't say, well, you know, I've been a pretty good person. That doesn't get you to heaven. Faith in Jesus Christ, the one who has redeemed us, who has paid the price for our sins, is the one who gives us eternal life. And sharing our faith with others is what we're called to do. Now, I recognize that sharing our faith for most people can be intimidating because we're afraid somebody's going to ask us a question we can't answer. We're afraid that, that uh, someone's going to be offended or we're afraid we're going to mess up. But I want to assure you of something. You are an expert in your story of why you hope, have hope in Jesus. Nobody can argue with your story of how you decided to believe in Jesus. You are an expert on it. And so you know your story. You just need to be prepared to tell your story. And that's critically important because you know what? That has what has brought more and more people to Christ, all of us to Christ. At some point in our life, somebody shared the hope that they had in Jesus and we believed. And we started following Jesus. And followers of Jesus are supposed to share their faith and not be intimidated by it. Now, as a congregation, as a church, one of our goals this year is to equip you, all of us, to be able to share your faith with others. And so, starting next Sunday, we're, we're encouraging people to... Uh, pick up a copy of this book. It's called Bless. You can find it in the cafe after the service. It's, uh, the subtitle is Five Everyday Ways to Love Your Neighbor and Change the World. Our life groups, which are small groups of adults who get together to study God's word and care for one another and build relationships, they're going to be reading that and studying it. And I'll be preaching parallel to that book. So I want to encourage you to do that. Why? Because it's going to encourage you and equip you that's probably the most important word. It's going to equip you to know how to share your faith. So I want to encourage you because it's all biblical principles, but it's put together in one book. So we need to say hello to sharing our faith with others. We also need to say hello to confronting the patterns of sin in our lives. I told you about... Uh, training for that first marathon. I've run a couple of marathons. In 2002, I ran a marathon, and it was here at Hartford, and uh, it turned out to be a very uh, rainy 
and cold October day. And uh, I, I knew that, uh, as with most road races, you have to go to the start line and you stand for a long period of time. And I also knew that I didn't want to take a brand new nice raincoat with me that I would have to carry. So I took a big garbage bag, poked a hole in it, and put it over my head. And I stood in line. And it was chilly, but I was dry. So when the race finally started, I ran the first mile with the garbage bag over my body so that I could stay dry. But you know a marathon's an endurance race. So I wadded that thing up, took it off, and I'm holding it in my hand. And uh, um, it was a tough race. In fact, some parts of the race course were flooded over ankle-deep water. So that just made everything a little bit harder. And I remember when I got to the 20th mile, I was really struggling. And I looked at that garbage bag in my hand that probably weighed an ounce and I said, that's just too heavy to carry. And I just cast it aside and, and finished the race without it. Uh, but I was miserable at the end because I was cold and wet. I wished I had it. But, but the big idea is this. If we're going to confront the patterns of sins, the Bible makes it clear that we've got to do something because we all have a sin problem. And the Bible tells us that we need to cast Anything aside that's going to hinder us from running the race of faith. And that's important. You know, it doesn't matter the, the frequency of our sinfulness or the number of our sins. Because the reality is this, is that God doesn't qualify sins in severity. There's not okay sins and not okay sins and horrible sins and, oh my goodness, awful sins. All sin offends God. All sin separates us from God. And so you and I have to deal with our own sinfulness. So that whole illustration about casting aside that garbage bag comes to focus in this word from Hebrews chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Scripture oftentimes uses the metaphor of a running a race for the race of faith, and this is very clear, that uh, sin trips us up. Sin slows us down. And so we need to recognize that. And we need to be willing to confront the pattern of sins that we have in our lives. I really appreciate uh, those folks in 12-step programs that are, that are willing to do in one of the steps what they call a fearless moral inventory, to, to look at their lives and say, what's going on that's wrong here? And deal with it. And that's what we as followers of Jesus need to do. We need to recognize our sin. We need to confess it. And then repent, turn away from it. So that we can grow stronger in our faith and closer in our relationship with God. And that's only going to come by confronting that pattern of sin. Finally. The last thing I would encourage you to say hello to is building community with others. In the Bible, we see these scriptures about the importance of building community in the body of Christ with other believers. Let me read it to you. 
Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I want you to notice it doesn't say where or how we meet together. It just says keep meeting together with other Christ followers because we can motivate one another. We can encourage one another to do good deeds. We can encourage one another to live in love. So we should meet with one another regularly, whether it's in person, whether it's virtually, whether it's calling somebody up or, or however it is. That's one of the reasons we encourage adults to get involved in life groups, to do life together and encourage one another. Again, we're kicking off life group season this coming week, and so we want to encourage you to go to our website. You can sign up for a life group where you can begin to lean into the practice of biblical community. Now, I realize I've gone through five things to say goodbye through and five things to say hello to. It feels like a, a rather overwhelming list. Um, it feels like a spiritual to-do list, and I don't want it to be that way. Uh, understand this as encouragement to invest in your relationship with God. Don't take it as a, you've got to do all 10 things. Pick one or two. As I told you earlier about that outline, downline that, download that, app, that uh, outline and begin to pray about what you should do. And then I would encourage you, if you're in a life group, to talk about that in your life group. If you're not in a life group, get together guys with another Christian man, ladies with another Christian woman and say, hey, can we talk through this? Because I would like some encouragement and some help so that I can grow in my relationship with Jesus. You know, there's no better time than at the start of the year when everybody's thinking about doing something new to recognize the most important thing for followers of Jesus Christ is to lean in to our very most important relationship, and that's Jesus. So I want to pray for each one of you that you would lean into that. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back, for, uh, as, and we'll close in a song after I pray this prayer. But would you bow your heads and let's pray? Lord, as we have gathered here on this first day of 2023, we recognize that you are here in our midst as you have been all of last year and all the years of our lives. But we recognize, Lord, that, that there are things in our lives that you desire for us to let go of, to say goodbye to. And, and there are things in our, in, that are possibilities that you want us to say hello to and to bring into our lives. And so, Lord, I pray for every man and woman in this room and online. I pray that you would guide us through the power of your Holy Spirit about what we need to say goodbye to and what we need to say hello to, and that you would help us grow deeper in our relationship with you. Lord, provide us with community with other followers of Jesus where that can be encouraged and grown and that we can have one another to help that happen in our lives. And Lord, help us become the men and the women, the sons and the daughters of God that you desire for us to become. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.